0: Welcome back to AFL by Dummies, and let's discuss the weekend that was. Richmond dusted off the cobwebs to break through Hawthorne's shields and advance into a prelim. Geelong experienced (gasps) Salem trials at the hands of Melbourne, but instead of burning witches, they just burned Daniel Mensel's contract up. Toby Green kicked Swans out of finals, as well as Nick Newman in the chest. I'm sure that won't be controversial in any way. West Coast left Collingwood and Eddie red in the face after Ronaldo, sorry, sorry, Lewis Jeddah, I get them confused sometimes, kicked the match winner.
1: And that's the weekend that was. What a weekend it was. Only four games on the weekend, and didn't feel like there was that many games, though, in terms of, I mean, if there were four great games, you would
0: have been talking about it a lot, but three of the games were blowouts, really. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I actually watched all of them. First time in a while, I've been able to watch all of the games in a weekend, and um, it's great. Every, every one of them had their own storylines in an interesting way. Obviously, the first three weren't thrillers in any way, but... Um, With the exception of the GWS Sydney one, uh, the other two I was still thoroughly engrossed in, even though they weren't, you know, close affairs. The GWS Sydney one was the only one I thought I might actually tune this one out. Isn't it great when you have a weekend of footy where Fremantle, St
1: Kilda, Gold Coast, Brisbane, oh no, I don't mind Brisbane, Carlton, don't
0: play. It's actually enthralling. There's good footy all around. Even Uh, without them playing, I've still found some way to manage to talk about them this week, so I'm sure we can... We can get to that later. But what's your highlight for this week? My highlight for the week has to be Dusty's
1: goal. Um, I was at the game, and it was pretty close at the time. It was 24-23. Richmond were just starting to get on top, but it wasn't on the scoreboard. And then enter Dusty Martin. Um, That's just a ridiculous goal. Um, If you haven't watched it, I'm not going to try and explain it. It's that good. Watch it yourself. It's everywhere. Basically blew the game open from there, and there was no coming back for Hawthorne sounds pretty good to me my favorite part about it though was when he kicked the ball the crowd just went very quiet because like no one had any idea what was happening and then as the ball went and went and went everyone started getting louder and louder and louder because you were just watching the goal umpire just like no way No,
0: no 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 he hasn't done this has he and it went straight through unbelievably so um we were both at the game however not next to each other um what you would have found in, in my group of friends is that I, as he kicked the ball, I literally went, no, n- n- no, really? And then as he got closer, you are going, no, like, really, no? And then it went in and we all, we all just, like, sat there in stunned silence as we actually processed that that actually happened. Unbelievable goal. Could make a case for
1: being one of the top three goals of the year, but obviously goal of the year is done off the regular season so that at least the... Clubs who don't make finals have a chance to get an award. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and with that burn, um, I think we're going to move on to the next round. Um, what are you feeling? Do you want to start with a joke or a stat this week? Well, I'd like to lead us off with a stat
1: this week. So I'm going to talk about the Sydney GWS game. And particularly Sydney at home this year. They've been ridiculously poor. So at home this year, Sydney's record is 5-7. and seven. And those seven losses are against Port Adelaide, North Melbourne, Adelaide, Geelong, Gold Coast, Hawthorne, GWS. So none of them are actually the top three sides. They're all the sides around where they are and maybe a bit lower. I mean, how can you say, Sydney, how could have we gone into our finals with any expectations for Sydney if you have that sort of record at home where the game was um, scheduled? I mean, they've just been ridiculously poor. Their average in those losses is 63 points. That is very few. That sounds like something Carlton does. Yeah. And their score on the weekend, up until about three minutes ago, they were on 18. Had um, kicked
0: two goals six. Yeah. Until Parker got one.
1: Yeah, so in the end, they got four goals six and just scraped their way out of the lowest score ever for Sydney. So they ended up with the third lowest score ever as Sydney. Um, they've got a bunch lower as South Melbourne, but I don't think that counts. So third lowest ever score for Sydney the lowest was 23. They would have broken it pretty comfortably considering five points out of 23. And there was comfortably the lowest score at the SCG by them. So their previous lowest score at the SCG was 43 in 1989. That's a long time ago as well. So they were 18 and before GWS stopped trying. Imagine if the previous record was 43
0: and you got 18. That's not just smashing the record. That's smashing the record, killing the record, and then... Partying at the record's funeral. Nailing it in the coffin. <laughs> I was trying to do a parody of the OCAD and I didn't do it very well. Remind me not to die. <laughs> I'm actually going to have that engraved on your gravestone. <laughs> Remind me not to die. <laughs> oh, yeah. In fact, in fact, I will, in in my eulogy for you, I will be like, by the way, Chuck, I forgot to tell you, don't die.
1: (laughs) Anyway, anyway,
0: back to the point. Sydney's
1: just got to fix up their record at home. They've got a great record outside of the SCG. um, One that, you know, if they had a good record at home, they could push for top four, perhaps. But if you can't win at home, you're a non factor come finals, especially if you get a home final. And especially because they were losing to a lot of teams around them, and particularly Port Adelaide, Adelaide and North Melbourne, and Gold Coast, who didn't make finals. It's just not good enough from Sydney, and I expect them to come back harder next year, but a lot of questions
0: got to be asked in the off-season. Will you have them finishing in your top eight next season? Just. Just. Very interesting. Okay, I'm going to do my joke now, and I want to talk about Geelong. Uh, much has been talked about with their small forward line. A lot of their players struggled to have impact on the game. Daniel Menzel was one. And a lot of these players have received criticism for not applying enough forward pressure. And I think that's pretty fair. Um, We live in a game that's dominated by forward pressure. Collingwood, Richmond, West Coast, these kind of teams are very good at it. Uh, I think Jamie Cripps, who's incredibly underrated, is the best forward pressure player in the competition. So the rumours are that um, Geelong has now signed Luke Dalhouse, virtually going to happen and they're now looking at Jack Stephen and Gary Rowan who are two other players to come in now they have a great midfield great offensive midfield we know Geelong you'd argue what they really need is some defensive players in their midfield and probably some defensive players in their forward line as well Luke Dalhouse is not that Gary Rowan is not that and Jack Stephen is not that. So for me, those are three of the most ludicrous signings you could make. Luke Dalhouse has the potential to be a pressure player, but probably won't be. He's more likely to just be a rotation midfielder, small forward. So that decision is utterly perplexing for me. So this gave me an idea. And, and that idea is a list of things that make more sense than bringing in Dalhouse, Rowan, and Stephen. So I'm going to start out this list of things that make more sense with... The obvious, number one, owning a Carlton membership. That makes considerably more sense to me than what Geelong are doing because at least they're planning for the future Carlton. Keep in mind, right, if you bought like a Carlton membership next year and they made finals, you are basically guaranteed a spot, (laughs) like a seat. Because you're the only one that bought it.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Number two, in my things that make sense more than Geelong signing those players, the government having another leadership spill. I think we are at the right time in this country where we need another leadership spill, definitely more so in comparison to Geelong needing more midfielders. Yeah, exactly. We haven't fulfilled our weekly quota. <laughs> um, number three, things that make more sense, buying bottled water in Melbourne. It's just, why, people? Sorry, I just needed to vent on this one. Why? Water is ridiculously cheap. You can get it for free at home, basically. Why buy bottled but- oh, I'm sorry. Anyway, the article's written in The Australian. Wow. <laughs> that says a lot. It does. I don't read The Australian a lot, but I'm going to run with it. See, that doesn't surprise me because very few people can read The Australian. <laughs> can or will? <laughs> no, can. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not understandable most of the time. Usually toddlers given a pen don't usually do that well. Finally, the new TurboMix 3000 with multi-speed options. It allows you to blend anything, including your hard-earned cash. So um, that makes more sense. This episode has no sponsorship issues with the Turbo Mix 3000 whatsoever, I can absolutely guarantee that. Um, But, you know, buy one. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's my list of things that make more sense. I'm just confused why we had a blender on the show. It has nothing to
1: do with the fact that I'm really short on money right now. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, I'll uh, take your word for it. In fact, you know what we could do? So you've just done a list. I've got a list for it us as well this week. Okay, shit us. I could put a poll up at the end of when we post the episode whose list was best. And I'm going to write yours down as Turbo
0: Mix (laughs) 3000. We'll see what... The Turbo Mix 3000 for all of your blending purposes. Shut up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anyways... Sydney and Geelong fans aren't exactly used to their team sucking. They've been blessed with probably 15 years of their team being basically at the top. They've won a whole bunch of premierships between the two sides. But that seems to be changing slowly, but surely they might make finals next year. But it appears to be a downhill path for the both of them. So I've got a list of things with more hope for the future than Sydney and Geelong. Um, So the first one, uh, going political, has to be North Korean residents. (laughs)
0: Yeah, why wouldn't you have uh, hope for the future if you're a North Korean resident? Things can only get better from here. (laughs) Exactly. That's a good way of putting it. Things can only get better. The second
1: one, Zach Dawson. (laughs) I don't know what his future's going to be, but I'm sure there's more
0: hope for it. I'm genuinely curious to know what Zach Dawson's doing with his life.
1: We should do that next week.
0: Yeah. An interview with Zach Zach Dawson. Dawson. Oh my God, I'm actually going to... See, you joked out, but I'm actually going to email him. We've got to find out if we can talk to him.
1: Uh, Third one, my love life.
0: Obviously, yeah. Um, When I was writing my list of things that make more sense, um, I considered putting in appointing you as the Minister of Love in the new Scott Morrison government, because you know so much about love. Yeah? Why didn't you? Um, Just because I decided that you suck enough without me taking cheap shots. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, The next one, Australia-China relations. Yeah. Yeah. That has hope more there. hope for the future than Sydney and Geelong fans. <laughs> you could you could even make it better and just say the three-way relationship between Australia, China, and America. There's definitely hope for that relationship. Oh, it's going strongly, Alex. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Strong as it ever has. Uh,
1: poverty-stricken countries... Because, you know, I I I disagree on that one. They actually do have a lot of hope. Like, the Bill Gates Foundation does a lot of, like, good work there. No, but I was saying this the other day. This is turning surprisingly serious. (laughs) But if poverty isn't, like, something that... Like, when was the
0: last time you heard about poverty on the news? Because it's it's not news. It's not like... Poverty is not, like, an event like the Olympics. (laughs) (laughs) It's not, like, the World Poverty Day... (laughs) Fair. I'm just going to say that if you're not hearing about it, it's probably not, probably because other shitty things are happening. Oh, I'm not going to argue. It's like, it's a not great thing that's happening in the world. I'm just saying that like poverty rates are going down. So it actually is improving. So there is quite a lot of hope for the future for people in poverty. (laughs) It's a bad list and I'm letting you know. I want to win this bloody poll. Next one, Carlton. Of course. They've got more hope. Yep. I agree with that one. Uh, the AFLW on becoming a professional league. Oh, that's what we should have talked about. Let's do a brief discussion on this after you finish yours, the um conference system. Fair enough. Yeah,
1: that's very interesting. And the last one, living in Tasmania. You have, yeah, yeah. You have more hope for the future than Sydney and Geelong fans, which really says a lot.
0: See, here's the thing. If I was a Sydney or a Geelong fan, I would think it eventually somewhere down the line we might win a premiership in the next 100 years or so. Tasmania's not even going to have a football team. So I don't see how that's going to be possible. Well, just living in Tasmania, you have more hope for the future than Sydney and Geelong fans. True. Not true.
1: necessarily winning a premiership. It's not like other things on my list, like Zach Dawson's going to win a premiership anytime yeah, soon. Yeah, but he could win a premiership for like. North Korean residents are going to win
0: a premiership. Yeah, but true. Maybe. I mean, North Korea nearly hosted their own Olympics, didn't they? They did host the Olympics. I don't think they nearly did. I think they did. The Winter Olympics. Anyways, this has it's... been the finest show yet. I thought it was a solid list, but it's going to be shambolic. That was a very, very average list, and I think I should get better points for you than for it.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to put up a poll anymore. Um, <laughs> I had the poll when I was feeling good,
0: but uh, I don't know, just feel, fell a little flat on you. Yeah, everything falls a little flat on you. I don't even know what that means as an insult. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do my stat now, shall we? Um, I think you should lose the list just for Uh, that insult. I think we should lose the show just for the (laughs) quality of this episode. I'm going to do my analysis now. Here's my stat. Um, I want to talk about Finals. Every time we get around to finals time, you know, all the x greats you know, you get your Matthew Lloyds, you Chris Judge the world saying, finals is a different beast. It's like a whole other challenge. It's not like normal matches. Everything's harder. The intensity's higher. You've got to be able to match it. It's the hard teams that win finals, not the good teams. And I always think, yeah, you're probably right because you played in finals and I haven't. But what I did this time is I actually tried to find some evidence to support this, right? Think about it, right? If finals is harder, then disposal efficiency would go down and the number of turnovers would go up, right? So, tell me, what do you think the stats are in relation to disposal efficiency in finals this week? They were all pretty hard games, so let's just go with the obvious. Disposal efficiency went down. Disposal efficiency went down across each team in comparison to their season average by an average of 5%. That is a lot so most of the teams would generally average around, like, mid-70s. So that's, like, going from, like, 73 74% disposal efficiency to, like, 68% disposal efficiency, which is a big shift. They're really struggling. Um, and it's a noticeable shift across the board. All of the teams saw at least a 2% decrease this week, and Hawthorne was the most showing a 10% decrease in their disposal efficiency in comparison to their regular season average. Like, it was wet, but it wasn't 10% disposal efficiency less wet. That's actually unbelievable. 10% is a lot. So, one in 10 disposals, they missed more targets on this week than they would normally, which is crazy. Turnovers is the other interesting one. How many more turnovers do you think each team had this week in finals? Uh, we'll go with 10. Yeah. Yes. So the, the average that each team had was 10 turnovers more than they normally have during the regular season, which really does show finals as a whole other beast. Is, it's not just a cliche. The proof is in the pudding. This is true. Is that uh, The regular season is tough, and being an AFL footballer is tough. I get that. But then when it comes to finals, things get harder. Players panic. And if you watch the game on, I think Thursday night was probably the best example, the Hawthorne players, the young players under pressure, panicked a lot and made mistakes. And it's the composed players that do better. Richmond were one of the teams that did a lot better in their disposal efficiency and turnovers. They're also one of the best teams at ensuring that the other team struggle with their disposal efficiency and turnovers. So this is exactly how finals works. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go full myth busters and say this one is confirmed. The (laughs) AFLW is coming back next season um, for their third season, Um, and the AFL announced over the course of this week that it's actually going to be a conference system, much like um, a lot of the American sports run themselves, Um, the NBA and the NFL both run themselves in conference style systems, and it was met with not happy responses, quite strong backlash from most of the players involved. What are your what are your thoughts on the announcement of what's gonna be I believe they're playing seven games each and then two finals. My problem with it is you don't play every other team.
1: So like what's the point in like expanding the number of teams? And there's gonna be
0: more teams coming in next year. Rich- I think it's the year after. I think we're getting two two more this year and then two more the year um in two years' time. Every second year we get two more teams.
1: Okay your long-term plan is to increase the number of teams in the competition, You, at the moment you're not having every team play each other. There is one team you... No, two teams you will not play, which is just astounding, whereas in the AFL you have teams that play each other twice. I don't know how you expect to grow the league if you're just going to keep keeping it small. I'm just... I'm not a fan of it. I'm struggling to put it into words, but it feels like they're just crash test dummying stuff, which isn't what the league's about. It's meant to be the highest form for women to play AFL across the entire country. It's not something where you should be, you know, using it as a guinea pig.
0: I, I agree. I also have mixed feelings. I think the concept of them playing only seven games is stupid and absolutely ridiculous. But once they committed themselves to that sort of a season, turning it into a conference-style system is probably the best version of that you could do. And that's what I will give the AFL points on is I think that's the best version of that in saying that the season's way too short like if they really do believe in this game eventually at some point the season's going to have to start much earlier in the year or you know even potentially the end of the year before um, or it's going to have to start feeding into the men's season in which case let's get this out of the way because right now they're trying to do both where they can play both of them up until each other without them coinciding. And we need to get a stance from them either way. Is it going to be they never cross and the women's play through summer, or is it going to be that they do cross, in which case let's get them playing through winter now, as opposed to this joke of a two-month season? Andrew Gaff's suspension would have seen him out for the entire AFLW season. Like, that's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, there has to be some sort of long-term plan from the AFL that we need to see soon. Because, yeah, you're I don't know where they're going. No, yeah. How can you invest yourself in a game where you don't know where it's going? Obviously, it's hard for someone like me to get as invested in it. Because, I mean, going for a team like Collingwood is just deeply against my roots. um, I can understand that one. Yeah. But even then, I still, like, want the league to do well. And, I mean, I'm the same as you mostly. That I don't have as... Like, the conference is just strange. I'm not too emotionally invested in that to where it pisses me off just feels wrong not because of the conference just because of the lack of time like seven weeks and the other problem is the people playing right they're not on enough of a wage to make it professional at the moment so this uncertainty about where the league's going to go is putting their secondary and maybe even tertiary jobs that they may have, um, at risk. Cause I mean, they want to play AFL at the highest level, but they can't. So they're having to work all these second and third jobs. And so no wonder the quality of the footballs nowhere near the AFLs. So if the AFL wants to genuinely make the AFLW as good a product as the men down the road, you have to choose. It's yeah. Does it coincide with the men, or does it go during the summer? Either way, we need a longer season if you're going to get any sort of emotional investment in the season and any sort of fan base as well.
0: I I think it's strange that um the the rookie listed AFL players' starting salary is um over a hundred thousand dollars a year, um which sure good for them and everything, and then you compare that to Daisy Pierce, the most famous and probably the best player in the wafl and she works three jobs um she works as a as a player in the afl um at uh, the wafl she works as a commentator and host on a bunch of different shows and she's most people don't know this she's also a nurse because outside of that she still has to pay for the rest of her life like she actually has to have a job because the salary and i think the starting salary for rookies in the um in the WAFL, I keep thinking like waffle, AFLW um, is like $5,000 or something. Yeah, no, that's right. Which is crazy. It's like so little. You're not exactly encouraging people to play. Obviously, the AFL needs to do something about this. So sooner rather than later, please, we would like answers. And also grassroots level. Like if they
1: started a big league, even just 15 games, right? If they had 15 games in their season, something like that, then girl, little girls start looking at it going. Well, I can make a career out of that. Um, that's something that I can rely on for income, and therefore I can pursue that harder. It's not as easy to pursue three or four things at once that you sometimes have to to make a career. I've been an AFL player, a nurse, and a commentator, as Daisy Pierce
0: is, who is the biggest role model. So, I agree. And now it's time for your world famous segment, Lachlan Ross. This is punching down. This is punching down.
1: (laughs) AFL social media. After every game, the AFL does a post on social media asking for who everyone thought the Maccas player of the game was. Usually, you get it right. This week after the Richmond Hawthorne game, our options were Grundy, Gorn, Dangerfield and McRae. It's been a long-held belief that you don't know your fans, with poor scheduling, poor identification of where to start a club... And that you also don't know the game, ridiculous rule changes, not only future but present, the Ruck nomination one just for an example, but one thing we've never been able to question is your knowledge of the players and who plays for what team. But now we can. By the way, after this episode of AFL by Dummies, please vote for your favourite host. The options are Chris Hemsworth, Carmen, and Mother Teresa. Burgoyne. They call you Silk. Fairly so you're one of the most clutch players I've ever seen. With the chance to put your team ahead on Thursday night, you had a set shot from the top of the goal square. Inexplicably so, you missed. Maybe your new nickname should be Sandpaper, because that's what you would have needed to rub onto the ball to make it swing back in for a goal. Or maybe that's what Hawks fans wish they'd rubbed their eyes with before the game.
0: That was was Punching Down. I did like the reverse swing joke. That was a good one. Yeah, I <laughs> um, I, if, you, if you guys want to vote for whoever was the best host after the game, I personally think Mother Teresa's job in this, this show has been very impressive. You could almost argue it's been a saint-like performance. <laughs> <laughs> I would go to and Carmen. Yeah, I think, his, <laughs> I think his performance has been really lively. <laughs> and as with Chris, Chris Hemsworth. Apps, that's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. And now we cut to our award winning reporter, and by award winning, I mean he was once awarded the state. This is Lachlan Bridgman with the news. In news
1: this week, Eddie Maguire grumbled his irrelevant disapproval at a six day break for his club heading into their semi final, quoted as saying, We've been shortchanged. How Cox, Reed, and Sidebottom revealed they, along with the rest of the team, simply didn't give a fuck. We played many games throughout the season with only a six-day break, and it didn't affect our performance whatsoever. Eddie's just being a whingy bitch. No truer words have been spoken. <laughs> the Lions have taken a small bite out of their reserves, delisting Liam Dawson. It's said Brisbane's general manager, David Noble, turned to him, clearly upset with Liam's inability to play this season, and said, there's the Dawson." <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's the best joke I've heard oh, in ages. <laughs> That Dawson joke is amazing. That could just about be the highlight. Yeah. Of an individual punchline, that's one of the best ones I've heard on this show. I'm I mean, very we've got impressed. a really low bar, <laughs> but it's still a bar. I, I'm very impressed. That was excellently done, Lachlan Bridgman. Thanks for that. I'm feeling like that was um, quite sweet, that one. I quite enjoyed that. I'm feeling like um, a cherry cola flavor. Yeah, I could go with that, definitely
1: we will move into this week's tips. And Friday night is uh, Hawthorne versus Melbourne, back at the MCG for Hawthorne after what can only be described
0: as a thumping last week. Uh, there was five goals. It wasn't a thumping. Calm down. Jeez, you Richmond fans. I'm Okay, can we talk about this briefly? I'm so over Richmond fans. Yeah, Bridges nodding next to me. I'm so over Richmond fans. You guys, you won your premiership last year and I was genuinely happy for you. I was like, this is great. You guys haven't won a premiership in a while. As somebody that supports a team that hasn't won a premiership in a while as well, I was like, good for you. This is happy. Over the course of this year, you and most of the other Richmond fans have become insufferable. In the past, you would criticize the Geelong and Hawthorns, all those fans with their amazing teams. Anytime something slightly bad happened and they got so worried, you'd be like, oh, no, you're crazy. You're not used to it. And now you're just... Same as ever as them. Yeah. You've become what you despise to be. We're the best team in the competition. And of course I we're know. Going to enjoy it. What are you going to tell me?
1: To not enjoy it. I'm, I'm telling I'm you sorry, you're my a dick. That's been, what I'm telling you. My team's been garbage for such a
0: long time. And now I've got a
1: moment of happiness and you're telling me not to enjoy it.
0: I'm not saying, Your don't team's
1: don't... trash. <laughs> Accept
0: it. I'm not saying don't enjoy it. I'm just saying there's, you know, being an honourable, like, winner. You can you cannot be... I think this stems from
1: you going for St Kilda more than me going for Richmond. No, it stems from the fact that it's you're that being a draw grand dick. final.
0: You got so close, I'm Alex. I'm sorry, like, it's, it's, it's the fact that when Richmond won on the weekend, I didn't want them to. Last year when they beat Adelaide in the grand final, I wanted them to. Yeah. I wanted them to win because I thought the fans deserve it, the club deserve it. The club, I still think, has been fairly honourable about it. I don't have any faults. The fans I'm getting really sick of, and you are one of them, like, you, do, you don't need this. Stop. You don't need this. Stop. Stop winning. I, I, I'm For the rest of the season, I'm going to be going for the teams that you are playing.
1: Yeah, that would have been the exact same if the Western Bulldogs were good in 2017. This isn't just a Richmond thing. This is what happens with every team. Every, everyone wants an underdog to win, right? But as soon as the underdog becomes the best team, then they're no longer the underdog. And it's no longer an underdog story. It's the, this is the best team in the competition. I don't want them to win anymore because no one wants the same team to win. This isn't
0: specific to just Richmond. Yeah, but it depends on whether or not they're humble. Is the Western Bulldogs were at least humble.
1: No, they weren't. Richmond fans. players weren't humble, I tell you that. Otherwise, they
0: would have got up for 2017. See, that's the thing, is whilst I appreciate Richmond the club, Richmond the fans, not humble. Which when the fans are arseholes that have just been looking for an excuse to be arseholes for the last 30 years.
1: I don't think we're arseholes. I think we're just happy with what our team's doing. I think if you looked at any other team over the time of history, of course their fans would be confident when they're doing the best in the competition. Not only just the best, but I'm going to say this confidently, confidently the best. Confidently
0: the best. Confidently? Comfortably the best. Comfortably. Anyway, I've said
1: my piece. you said yours. Fair I enough. I think it's the same with every team, and I'm going to stick by that very hard.
0: I, I do not think Richmond thumped Hawthorne. I think they won by five goals, which was pretty reflective of the game. It was pretty even through the first half. Richmond took control... In the second half and with a better side on the day and definitely deserved to win. But I think 30 points is right. I don't think they got thumped. I think Hawthorne butchered the ball as they went inside 50 and missed some obvious chances, including the ones you referred to from Sean Burgoyne and another one from Luke Bruce, that I think killed their chances of being competitive through the second and third quarter. Now, will they win this week, Hawthorne? No. The inside 50 (laughs) count was 66 to 37 on the weekend. What was it at three-quarter time? It was pretty even in the last quarter. Do you have stats to support that, or are you just saying that? Uh, I'm comfortably confident. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can think they thumped them if you want. I'm saying that that's you being an arrogant Richmond fan that thinks that any time you win a game, you're thumping them. I think they actually gave you a good scare through the first half, and it, I wasn't sitting next to you, and if I had been at halftime, you probably would have been thinking, this, this game is closer than I like, would have liked it to have been. Now, in saying that, can we talk about the actual game at hand, Hawthorne-Melbourne, in which Melbourne is going to win the premiership, so <laughs> Melbourne must win this game. There's no point asking you for, you know, what your take is on any Melbourne game, because it's just going to be the same. I mean, we could ask you about what your take is on, on the game, but you just proceed to talk about Richmond for the next five minutes, so... <laughs> You're the one who brought it up. I would, I would ask you, actually, if you had any kind of insight on this game whatsoever, but you probably couldn't provide a confident, comfortable sentence, so... I'm going to have Melbourne win, but Hawthorne's
1: going to give them a scare. The inside 50 count will be 66 <laughs> to 37. <laughs> no, I think this is going to be a closer game than maybe even you realise. Melbourne played Geelong last week, and Geelong were terribly disorganised, um, and they got absolutely baffled um, very quickly. And That's a verb, right?
0: <laughs> you can baffle someone, can't you?
1: <laughs> Either way, you knew what I meant, whereas Hawthorne... It took until the third quarter, really, for Richmond to have them on the ropes. So I think Hawthorne will be leading at three-quarter time, and it's going to take a blitz from Melbourne in the last quarter for this to happen. So they'll they'll get away with it, I think, is
0: what's going to be described as this game, where they'll dominate most of the game but not put it on the scoreboard. Potentially, yeah. uh, I think that might be right. Melbourne's first quarter against Geelong last week, whilst I agree Geelong were very disorganised and didn't look like the team that I think we know they're capable of being... Melbourne's first quarter was the best quarter I've seen by a team, I think, this season. They were incredibly aggressive, precise, furious without the ball, and furious with the ball. Honestly, watching it made me watch and think they're the only team that I reckon could beat Richmond whilst Richmond still plays well. Fair. Um, I I don't think, I think, like Collingwood or West Coast could beat Richmond if they had an off day but melbourne in that quarter if they managed to string that together for let's say even 3 quarters of a match um is the only way in which a team beats richmond whilst playing well and they only did it for a quarter they were then fine for the rest of the game melbourne they weren't they weren't great they weren't terrible um I,
1: well i was just going to say that second and third that first quarter made me think that they could beat richmond at their best, and Richmond being um, close to their best, and then that second and third quarter took that away from me. Um, you can't dominate a game and kick one goal for two for a half of football.
0: Uh, first of all, they kicked like one goal eight or something. Like it wasn't like they were creating no chances. And, and secondly, goal. like Richmond, both Richmond and the Bulldogs in each of the games that they won through the final series of last year, they didn't play every single quarter perfectly. Um, don't get me wrong, um, Melbourne wasn't as comfortable as I would have liked to have them given the state of at quarter time. But I think they showed more than enough in the first quarter for you to for us to see how they are more than capable of winning this game and the several games to come in the rest of the final series. Um, and if they can, th- obviously, if they want to beat Hawthorne, you know, West Coast and some teams better than that, including Richmond, um, then they're going to have to string more than one quarter together. But I, I, I completely disagree that the second and third quarter discount what they did in the first quarter, I just think it proves that they are not they weren't there on that day. Whether or not they will be there on this day, well, that's a matter of opinion.
1: Fair enough, but we're both going for Melbourne. Um, next game is, I think, the most fascinating game we've had so far in finals, Collingwood GWS. Um, I'm really struggling to pick a winner on this because both teams played pretty well on the weekend. Um, Collingwood obviously lost, but... They put a valiant effort up against West Coast in Perth. And then GWS absolutely beat a Sydney team who we don't know how good they are at the moment.
0: Um, so question marks on both sides on how well they actually played on the weekend. So this falls into my bracket, so my tip's a bit less interesting than yours. So we'll come back to yours at the end for the ultimate decision as to who you will be backing. Because my bracket worked wonderfully well in week one, Um, I'm going to be tipping Collingwood for this game. There were a few signs from what GWS did and what Collingwood struggled with that make me a little bit worried about that. Um, Firstly, Phil Davis killed Franklin, absolutely destroyed him, played, and this has been well said, one of the best defensive games by a player in finals. He was fantastic. Um, And Mason Cox really struggled. If Davis gets over the top of them, um, there could be a lot of issues in that, And the GWS took a lot of intercept marks as the Swans tried going forward. Uh, Nick Haynes peeled off a lot and was very influential. Um, they, they could have a lot of problems. Zach Williams, in his first game back, was also really good. However, I don't think that the GWS um, defense has enough really to handle the Collingwood forward line from a defensive perspective. I think Davis is the only one that's a genuine defensive gun. I think a lot of them are great intercept rebound players. Um, but the loss of somebody like Heath Shaw um, is going to hurt. And I also just think Brody Grundy is fantastic. He didn't have that much of an influence against West Coast, um, especially in the second half. They clamped down on him a bit more. But I think playing against Rory Lobb, um, we could see him really explode this week, see him collect a good 25 disposals and a couple of contested marks that will really influence the game. So I think with Collingwood small forwards we know are so dangerous and Grundy shining once again, I'm going to go with a Collingwood win.
1: Honestly, as I sit here, I still haven't made up my mind. I definitely want, as a Richmond fan, Collingwood to win. That would
0: be an epic prelim.
1: Well, I'm not even going from a fan's perspective. I think Richmond and Collingwood play very similar. And if GWS went out there and beat Collingwood, they're just going to do the same thing against Richmond and potentially be as successful. Whereas I think Richmond matches up really well with Collingwood. Anyways, aside from that... um, I just proved your theory true that I bring up Um <laughs> They don't think Josh Kelly's going to play. No, it doesn't which is seem a, likely, no. Which is a huge um, thing because him on the MCG, on the big stage, is just meant to happen. Um, I think they'll clamp down on Toby Green in particular this week, and I think they'll get into Zach Williams. So I'm going to go with Collingwood. But Mason Cox needs to give more. I understand you're up against Barass and McGovern, and they're both great big man defenders, but you have to be better. Um, he didn't really take a mark, I think, until the very end of the fourth quarter. Just had no impact on the match. And he's
0: huge for them. He's like the Jack what for Richmond. I think that's a fair Richmond... No, no, no. I was, <laughs> gonna, I was just going to say he is quite literally huge for them. It, he's just huge. Yeah.
1: So I'm going to go with Collingwood as well. So same tips for both of us. But
0: I think this game is going to be absolutely fascinating. I, I think this will probably be the closer of the two games... We talked about some of the games last week, and I was quite confident that if one of the teams was going to win, take the Melbourne-Geelong game, for instance, that whoever won it was going to win fairly comfortably, like maybe not 50 points or anything, but uh, Melbourne were in control for most of the game. These games could really go anywhere, and I wouldn't be that shocked. Um, My gut says Collingwood and uh, Melbourne, but you know, if Hawthorne, if Melbourne internally collapsed, that's, you know, that's very well plausible. I could see Melbourne smashing Hawthorne. I could see Melbourne doing, as you said, it being a very tight game and Melbourne scraping by over them. I can see the same with the Collingwood GWS game. So I'm not very confident though. I am very hopeful that entering week three of the finals, my bracket will still be exactly right. Yeah. Good, good work by you. Um, yeah, it'll be an interesting weekend of football. And with the death of co-host Tootin Carmen, uh, we'll close out the show for <laughs> this week. Um, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, iTunes, Omni, all of the places. Um, this week, I will be tweeting at Zach Dawson. See if we can get him on the show next week. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be uh, our pleasure. Yeah, we'd, we'd, love to, we'd love to interview you, Zach. Um, yeah, so go find us on all of the social platforms. Um, we'll be back next week with prelim finals. No, semifinals. From myself, Chalk. My name's Alex Henry. Thanks to everyone for listening. Have a nice day.